Hey everyone, this is your host, Anna Frentress, and you're listening to episode two of the Hooked AF podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is my dear friend, business partner, and go-to brunch babe, Alexis Stoya, where we cover all things from being homeschooled, social media pros and cons, quitting all of our jobs, owning six-figure businesses, renovating houses, and so much more. It all starts right now. So, February 25th, current events, top stories from Apple News. Ukrainians resist Russian onslaught as tanks and planes dig deeper toward Kyiv. 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 Children and belongings in tow. Ukrainians throng borders fleeing Russian invasion. Why the U.S. won't send troops to Ukraine. Biden. I do not like this headline. Biden taps Kennedy Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court. Taps? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, here we go. Over a foot of snow could fall in the northeast as winter storm affects millions. Glad we're not in the northeast and we're headed to 85 degrees. Yeah, dude. I mean, and even trending stories. Nothing's good. Kentucky politician's daughter shot and killed during home invasion at family's mansion. Wow. So we've got blizzards, we've got murder, and we have World War Three. Yeah, so, so I not to say that, February 25th, really, really going well for all of us, uh, to say the least. So today I'm here with Alexa Stoya. Most of you probably know her as Alexa Johnson. However, she just recently got married earlier this year in Mexico. So Alexa, welcome. Thank you. Uh, we are going to be leaving for Arizona tomorrow. I know. I can't wait, especially because it was like six below when we pulled in the driveway. I'm definitely ready for some sunshine in the desert. Except we were in a group message with some girls and they were like, oh my God, it just snowed here. I'm like, okay. But do you girls from Arizona know what snow is or is their definition of snow? Is it like hail or frost? I don't know. It's not judgment. It's just a question. I have no idea. So anyways, I'm just like. We just drove home from eating Mexican food, and it was negative five. So we are very excited to be heading to a sunnier state tomorrow. Isn't it great to think, like, less than 24 hours from now, we're going to be in much, much warmer weather? In Scottsdale. I I mean, what a dream. What a dream. Yeah. Are you ready for the last retreat? For the last retreat of the year? I am. It's it's like a bittersweet thing, you know, because it's fun. It's exciting. Love being gone somewhere, but it also comes with a lot of pressure. And I know you know that. And so it's yes in ways now. Yeah, I for sure feel that I have definitely disconnected myself from a lot of responsibility as I used to take on. So I'm not feeling as much pressure as probably you and Gabby are, but I feel you. So Thank you for being on the podcast. Second guest, I couldn't think of a better person to follow up my husband than Alexa. Uh, Alexa and I actually have not known each other for that long. Um, Only a few years, really. And you are still running High Country Bride. So 
let's tell the people kind of how we met. Yeah, it's one of those one of those things that came out of Instagram. A good thing. We love social media for this. <laughs> We're just talking about that. We love social media for this because that's how we connected. I don't even know actually how I found you. I feel like maybe it was you had done a shoot with somebody because this was actually pre Hooked AF as we know Hooked AF. Yeah, I turned to Anastasia or I went from Anastasia Frontress to Hooked yeah. AF like last content, year. Mm -hmm. Your content was your engagement photos, your bridal shower. Yeah, that's had it. Just gotten married mm -hmm. when we met. So that was just over like a year and a half ago. Yeah, that was like Instagrams or my my Instagram. So yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. And I so I don't even I can't even think of how we how I got in contact with you. I feel like you did a shoot with somebody or maybe You wanted to feature it in your magazine or something. Oh yeah, that's it. I think I saw your florist post Taylor. Yep. I thought I think I saw her post about your wedding. And so I wanted to connect with you because you were someone in the mountains, local to me, that had a beautiful ranch wedding. And that was the sort of content I was looking for when I was doing high country rides. I wanted mountain weddings. Yes. And now here we are. I am literally in Alexa's wedding upcoming this later this year in Vail, Colorado. I was born there. And so, yeah, I was born in Vail. Can you believe that? My brother was too. I'm such white trash and I'm like, was born in Vail. I always yeah. tell my parents, my, my dad always laughs. He says, if you were to have a baby anywhere, make sure it's in Vail because the dads get a suite. Yeah. And he said he had surf and turf while mama was after she pushed out me. And he, I was like, what a freaking dream, That's dude. That's funny that your dad had surf and turf because my mom tells it when she had my brother because he was born in Vail. And she said the first thing that she demanded was a chocolate shake and a Big Mac. <laughs> and so I guess it maybe wasn't as bougie. That is so funny. Yeah, my, my dad was like... Uh, well, this just goes to show you how bougie Vale was because the second kid, my brother, was born in Frisco. So, <laughs> must not have been too special. No. So, as we all know, on Hooked AF, we like to bring it back to the very beginning. So, where are you from? And let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I call myself from Colorado. I tell people I am from, so I, I grew up in Breckenridge. I live in Silverthorne, all part of just what we call Summit or Summit County now. Um, I'm one of those people that snobbly calls myself a native, um, although I don't claim it too hard. But truthfully, I was actually born in Minnesota. Okay. And that's where my where at? from. Um, Coon Rapids. People tell me I can't say that because it seems racist. But. Yeah. Where, where like, is that? Because my mom it's, was, I have so much family in Duluth. I think we've already oh, talked yeah. about this, but yeah. way up north. Um, Yeah. How crazy. So <laughs> this was just like, it's a little bit north of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Okay. Okay. So a few hours away from Duluth. Yeah. South so of it's, Duluth. It's okay. south. Um, but still right there in the middle of all the lakes as everywhere, I guess, in Minnesota is. But the state of 10,000 lakes. Yeah, so I was born in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, and uh, my parents lived there. I lived there until I was 
about two and a half, and then they moved out here with me. So good memories, good memories in Minnesota for you. I actually have a couple of like odd memories. So we had this beautiful house on a lake and it had an iron spiral staircase. And I don't know if it's from an old picture or if it's actually in my memory, but I can vividly think of that iron spiral staircase in our house and i it's probably from a picture but i have that memory and that's kind of it other than the more recent memories i had years going back to what was at one time home so okay so then you guys after that you guys moved to silverthorne we moved to breckenridge oh breckenridge okay so breckenridge was where i actually grew up and so for those that are not familiar breckenridge Frisco, Silverthorne, Dillon, anything I'm missing, Keystone, Keystone, all in the kind of the same area, you know, big ski town. It used to not be that way. So we used to have Keystone, Vale, Copper Mountain, Breck as kind of the ski resorts. Now it has turned into this tourism capital of Colorado, you know, everyone escaping to the mountains. So, um, so then after Breck, you guys moved outside of Silverthorne. Yes. So when I graduated high school, my parents moved about 45 minutes north of where I grew up. Okay. And so that is just outside of Silverthorne now. And that is still where they're at. And now I have a house in Silverthorne. So even though I left for a little while, came right on back as a lot of people that are from the area or grew up in the area eventually do. Yeah. Same sister. So describe your family. Oh, my family. Yeah, I, I know you have another brother. So describe your parents and your brother to us. We, so I'll, I'll sidetrack a little to tell you that my husband comes from what I would consider a non-traditional family. And then mine is like the ultra-traditional family. Okay. So it's my parents have been married for, I think, close to 35 years now. One boy, one girl. It's kind of the all-American story. My parents are fantastic. We have always been a close family and we have a great relationship. I am ultra a daddy's girl for sure. And my dad, um, and what is your dad's name? Todd. Okay. My dad, Todd and my mom, Janelle and my brother, Corey. Okay. And so my dad, Todd, he, and when we lived in Minnesota, he was a home builder and then he came and got into real estate and he has kind of been my business inspiration as someone who really does things he's passionate about and kind of paves his own way. My mom is like the ultra Martha Stewart that I aspire to be in life. She's amazing at planning. She's a great cook. She keeps a gorgeous house. She was an interior designer. She's just like everything that my homemaker heart aspires to be. And then my brother is five years younger than I am. He's a sophomore at University of Wyoming studying. Go Pokes. That's right. Go Pokes. (laughs) I'm a CSU Ram, but I no longer (laughs) say Now I say Go Pokes. Um, But He's uh, studying construction management and it's kind of a classic tale of like, we did not get along as kids, but he is definitely my pal now as we've gotten older. And I just like to see what he's up to in life. Yeah. I feel like that's such a weird thing as like two siblings. Cause my brother is like 18 months younger than me. Trace and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, we hated each other. Yeah. I mean, like literally, we were total opposite. Mm-hmm. We would be the kids that were like, 
we would fight and I would be pissed if he didn't feed the horses, feed the steers, whatever. We'd throw pitchforks at each other. And now we're like best friends. I mean, it's like so weird how that works. I don't know if your brother and you have the same relationship, but it's almost like you both mature and you're like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. We don't have to compete. Like, we love each other. Yeah. Our parents love us the same. Like, yeah. <laughs> what were we doing? Yeah. No, I think that was absolutely how it was. And I think for us, it was actually the difference in age that was kind of weird. And also, I don't know if it's an older sibling thing or just a girl thing, maybe. But I was super independent, much more quiet. He was a typical boy, typical okay. younger brother. Just wild. Wild. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wild. And he drove me insane. And we were homeschooled together at the same time. And so that drove us crazy because he was wild. And I just wanted to get things done so that I could ride my horse, go out and play, do other things. And that was like a big barrier for us for a long time. But then I think quite a bit of separation later and a lot of growing up. And now it's like, he's my best friend. Did you guys enjoy being homeschooled? I actually did because I was always like the ultra independent learner. And once I figured out that if I could do all of my schoolwork, one whole day's worth of schoolwork in like an hour and a half at five o'clock in the morning, that meant I had an entire day to do whatever I wanted to do. And so for me and my personality, it worked like a dream because I've always been a super independent person, independent learner. I like to do work on my own. And so for me to just be able to take initiative and do those things on my own timeline, which was always fast, 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 so that I could move on to the things I actually wanted to do, it was great. For him, it took a little more hand-holding, a little more coaching. And I think that's just typical boy. I mean, like, just even boys in general boys in like younger adolescents to high school they don't want to be in school they want to be playing they want to be using their hands they want to be doing all these things and it's like just like homeschool girls just like we're like we want to excel we want to be the best and we're going to push ourselves because why not and we want to be better than our sibling. Yeah. But um, what are some pros and cons, do you think, of homeschooling or that you dealt with, would you say? I guess we'll do cons first because I take the approach, I think the the pros, at least in my life, significantly outweigh yeah. the cons. Usually do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the cons, um, I don't have a big circle of friends. And I think about that and it's maybe something that started then, maybe something in my personality, but I keep a much tighter knit group of people. Less is more. Yeah. Whereas my husband, he has these friends that he has taken through life with him. They went to kindergarten, elementary school, high school, college together. They were roommates and they're still there. And I, I don't have any of those lasting people in my life. I mean, you and I are like best friends. You're one of three girls in my wedding and we met a year and a half ago Yeah. and are just like the best of friends. And so I think I do not in any way consider myself like antisocial, but definitely just the group of people that I surrounded myself with was definitely a lot smaller. Um, well, it's like just me going to public school, public school, like I have friends that I have went to school with since I was in preschool. Yeah. I'm not saying that 
10 of my kids, 10 of my girlfriends that I met in preschool are my friends still because that's definitely not true. However, it's like, I felt like I was like going to public school. I was like able to distinguish, okay, these are the kind of people I want to hang around. And these are the kind of people I do not want to hang around. So I I feel like being in your situation, you're like, okay, uh, I want to make friends, but I'm not really sure who I really get along with right now. And it's tough, but it's almost like I would homeschool my kids right now if I had them. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. So it's just... I feel it's it's finding that balance and making sure as a parent you're like socializing your kids, getting them out, making yeah. sure you turn, they have interaction yeah. because it's like, you know, I'm sure you hear the stigma. It's like oh, homeschool kids are weird. Yeah. It's like, no, it's based oh. on the parents. Yeah. <laughs> if your parents suck, you're going to be weird. <laughs> I will totally say that is probably the biggest con of homeschooling or being homeschooled is that you always have to explain yourself because people always yeah for sure they're always like oh what was that like oh were you weird were you a weird kid and and people love to then be like oh that's why you don't have many friends it's like no i'm just more particular because i don't feel the need to be in a large social group because i value your taught independence yeah and so i think that is a big con is that even even when you apply for jobs or if when you write scholarships sometimes people have questions they're like what wait a second tell me about that and it it creates this kind of negative stigma but a pro of it kind of what you were just alluding to was you do have to be sure you're still doing activities and getting out there and the cool thing about i think it's the entire state of colorado if not it's some county or some of the mountain regions but you have this ability to be involved in sports and activities and classes, even if you are homeschooled. So I played sports with public schools all through growing up. So I was homeschooled from sixth grade on. Okay. So in middle school and high school, I still did sports with the public schools. I still did extracurricular activities. So I still had a lot of that that social interaction. interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I had a lot of that interaction without having the mundane part that I didn't care about, which was the eight to three classes. And so on top of that too, definitely probably one of the biggest pros is that time was totally flexible for us we used to ski in the middle of the week i had a job from the time i was like 13 years old i mean we were constantly doing things as a family we had a cabin that we traveled to we just had all this freedom and flexibility and i definitely look at my life now and the things that i desire and look back and go oh yeah that's what shaped that that's what put me on this path to say I love my time and I love my time on my, at my disposal that no one else is dictating it. Do you think growing up in a different place than Silverthorne or Colorado while being homeschooled would have changed like any of those things? Like, I mean, we are blessed to live in Colorado, have all of these outdoor activities, extracurriculars, everything. And I can't imagine living in like a boring state where you can just go ride your bike. I mean, I think that's where kind of the stigma comes from as like, oh, they never leave their house. Whereas it's like for us, every single homeschool kid that I went to school with 
completely normal because they were skiing. They were playing the sports. They were outside. They were in 4-H. I don't know if all those people have those opportunities like we do where we are, not even in Denver. You know, it's like 40 miles east, you know, it could be completely different. Yeah, people people kind of think of that idea that you're like living on a farm in the middle of nowhere and you don't have TV, you don't have internet. You don't talk to anyone. You don't talk to anybody. But you're a puppet or something. (laughs) Something weird. But no, I do think that probably particularly here where there is so much activity and I can think that for sure probably much more rural areas and even more urban areas I can see people being more isolated and more secluded from each other if they don't participate in those things because it's funny my mom tells the story of me being like even long before I was homeschooled, like being three or five or something and going into the doctors. And I was not a daycare kid. She, she did all of our daycare. My mom did until we started going to school. Um, and it's just funny that at the time doctors were even like, Oh, you know, you need to socialize your child. And my mom was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure that between Tiny Todd's gymnastics and swim lessons and church and this and that. She'll be just She's fine. She's going to be okay. <laughs> She's getting plenty of stimulation. And I think that's kind of something people fail to realize is that outside of school, there's still a million ways that people, children are socialized. I mean, when you're an adult, you have to find other ways to be social. You're no longer in school. And so I think it's kind of the same thing It's you have to find people with more of a common bond, like an activity or something like 4-H or Girl Scouts or whatever. And that's where you get that socialization versus at school. diving into a deeper question so obviously in these public places in public schools etc it's normal for you know girls to have a boyfriend every other week did you have high school boyfriends i did not Um, alexa i for sure did not it's funny when i feel like you were already focused on your like future business plan way before then No, seriously, I mean, if you're like, I'm not going to marry anyone right now that I meet right now. I'm focusing on my six figure career. No, if you ask 12 year old me, I don't know what I was, what business plan I had at the time, but I think I was a Girl Scout and we like had an entrepreneurship like badge or course or something. And I was probably working on that. And I was for sure that I was going to just be, you know totally single forever that I would just live my life happily, blissfully unaware of anybody else. Um, cause I for sure did not have any high school boyfriends. Me and my girlfriends went to prom junior and senior year, like by ourselves. I was for sure not the one to have boyfriends. I already had plans. I was focused. If you would have seen 12, 13, 14, 15 year old me, it was like the same person. I could have sat here and had this conversation with you at this, <laughs> at that age. Did you? you have any like celebrity crushes i literally remember me 
when Justin Bieber and Taylor Lautner <laughs> came out in like Shark Boy and like oh Twilight, I was like, I'm gonna marry them. That's and so I was, funny. no one told me I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just know, like every other middle aged girl I, or like young age girl, I was like, middle age, <laughs> young, young girl, I was like, uh, that's my husband. Yeah. And I was like, so defensive. Did you yeah. have any celebrity crush? Do you remember the Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway? Yes. The second one, the whatever he is, Duke or something. And he's like, <laughs> electric blue eyes. And he's like blonde hair, right? Blonde hair? I think it's more like dark. I actually can't even think about it. I Dude, I can't dark. remember either. But all I can think, I mean, I think, I don't even know what his name so is. So money. But when my Money is what? Yes, that's right. <laughs> we're looking for a prince, so we're going straight to the top. But You're like royalty and never having to pick out my own clothes. Right. Deal. Excellent. Yeah, so I don't even know what his actual name is. I think that I just refer to him as the guy with the blue eyes. Lord Farquaad. <laughs> oh my god. No, not the same. Not the same. Okay. So fast forward was going to CSU always the plan? Did your parent were your parents alumni? Were your grandparents? What was I know that especially when you and I were kind of going to into high school, like CSU was the ag school. Yeah. And I know that's what you were chasing after. So yeah. kind of like describe that. Yep. So I had no connection to CSU. My parents were University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Grandparents did not go to CSU. I had no special connection there, except that I was looking for an ag school. But at the time, I was particularly pursuing veterinary medicine. And Which so is one of the best schools. Yeah, CSU it, is it still is one of the best schools. So if you're a vet, I will tell you right now, I sat in my, my college class with Dr. Means. The first question he asked was, how many of you want to be a vet? About 80% of the classroom raised their hand, and he said, good, we only need two of you. Yes. So figure out another job. Yeah. Figure out another degree because we cannot take all of you, so don't waste your time. No, and seriously, it was hardcore and cutthroat, and I knew it was going to be, and so I wanted to make sure that – But I you made it. I made it. So I wanted to make sure I went to an undergrad that – got me there so my my three schools i applied to for undergrad i don't even know if my parents know this if they'd even listen to this but i applied to csu i applied to kansas state and texas a&m which are all the best yeah all aggies all yeah great exactly. great great schools and i knew that i needed the the animal science needed the equine science. I knew that I also wanted an agricultural business degree to go with it because I've always had that business sure. mindset. And then I wanted to be just kind of filtered straight into a vet school. And so I ultimately chose CSU. It was in state. It was one of the best. And I just thought it was the best opportunities. And so it was kind of a plan. Like if you'd have asked little me, I was going to go to CSU to go to vet school. And then when it actually came time to make a choice, I thought about some other options and came right back to CSU because that was the path I was on. I wanted ag, I wanted vet med, and that was where I was going. So when you went to college, I mean, that's a huge difference. That is a huge change. Even I went to high school, which granted, I mean, you and I both know we 
both went to relatively, if you were to go to Summit, if you were to go to Kremlin, whatever, very small schools. Yeah. Compared to most of our friends yeah. who have like 500 in our class, I graduated with 29. Yeah. Okay, so even going to University of Wyoming was insane. I mean, yeah. I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is a culture shock. Yeah. This is too many people. So what were some of your insecurities going into college? Yeah, so definitely just what you said where knowing it was going to be as cutthroat as it was because I did equine science, I did animal science, and in the 101 classes, in the intro classes, 90% of everybody wanted to be a vet. And I looked at everyone as competition. You know, you're going down. That's what you have to do. It's going to be me. But that was an insecurity. And there was also an insecurity. I've always been independent. I've always been pretty confident in myself. But there's definitely an insecurity of this is a big school. This is a big opportunity. And now here I am kind of doing all of this on my own. You know, it is that big culture shock. It's a big step. And even I did community college classes in my junior and senior year locally, but that was 30 people, 40 people. And then to jump to especially these big like science lectures where there's 1200 people, that was insane. Were you ever like, I'm done? Like, I just want to quit. I want to throw in the towel right now because I just want to move back home. I can figure out a business plan. I know my parents got me like... I never wanted to go back home and I never wanted to rely on anybody else, but I did consider quitting a couple times. Um, one of my insecurities is that I'm very science brained, but not in the impractical things. And let's yeah, just for sure. call it like it is when you go to vet school, they make you do a lot of impractical things yeah. that don't matter. Yeah. A lot of the pre-vet stuff, the chemistries, organic chemistries. You're never going to use. <laughs> ever gonna use which is like i tell my brother all the time and those are the hardest classes so hard and literally when you have a professor and they're not even professors they're teaching assistants they're phd students and they stand up and say my goal is to fail 75 percent of you it's like what like how do you sleep at night sir yes but that was definitely an insecurity because I knew that was my weakness and it was those things that made me want to throw in the towel and just some things you encounter. And when you get out there in the world, whether it's in college or in a career and you face opposition where for one reason or another, someone is just against you. I had one professor and it was in like an anatomy class and I was a good student. I loved school. I loved to learn, but I can just recall he was so demeaning and so mean to me. And I remember one time my phone rang in class because I'd forgotten to turn it off. And he publicly shamed me and told me I had to leave. And I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. And it was a hard class, but I was succeeding through it. And I withdrew from the class that day because I was just livid and furious. you're like oh this guy doesn't like me why I would like, i try for him to get me and he mm-hmm. was for whatever reason that guy was i had one like me. that too yeah, it was, and, it's and it's and hard to compete that. with because they have the highest power yeah and and i went to my advisors and i talked to people and they're like i don't know what to say i don't know what to tell you and i think that was a moment that i was like i'm not cut out for this i am not mean enough for this yeah and that was that was definitely a big thing in the school process and then 
probably the big thing. The thing that did actually make me quit was my internship that made me live the day-to-day -day life. And I called it my 22-7 job because we'd literally work for 20 to 22 hours a day and go home and basically nap. And that was intense and awful. And yeah. That's when it was like, I've reached wit's end. And my next question was like, you know, you didn't continue to be a vet. So what did that make you feel like when you were like, oh my God, I just spent so much blood and tears crying, so much stress, everything. And I don't even want to freaking do this anymore. Yeah. What was that feeling like? And then like moving forward from that. Yeah. It was a really, it's a really hard thing to do. And I'm one of those. When you're not a quitter. No. And I come from a family where you don't quit anything. Ever. You suffer through it. Yeah. You suffer through it. It doesn't matter if you hate it. It doesn't matter if you suck at it. You do not quit anything ever. That is my family. We have these intensely high standards and I'm grateful that we did, but it also holds you to this like deep emotional connection to everything where you're so afraid of failing people. And so when I had reached that point, I, I tend to struggle in silence a lot. I'm not an emotional person. I don't talk about my experience a lot. I don't express what I'm feeling to people. I tend to reach wit's end and snap and make a drastic change and it throws people off guard. So it was kind of a hard position because when I had gone through this experience, I had succeeded by all accounts. I had gotten into vet school. I was on the path, but when I did this internship and realized this was not the life I wanted to live, it was really, really hard to, in a way, admit defeat and say, you know what, this thing, because if you would have asked five-year-old Alexa, I was going to be a horse vet. Yeah. And, you know, that's a thing a lot of kids say, but then I was a 4-H'er and I said that, and then I was a high schooler and I said that, and then I was in college and I said that, and then I got in to vet school and I said that, and then what had literally been my life's work, I had to say, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. This was the wrong let go. path for me and let go. And so it was hard to face, particularly my parents, but all these people knew that's my career path. That's what I wanted. When I feel like that's the hardest thing is that it's defeat, but it's also like, great. Now I have to explain myself. Yeah. Now I have to explain myself. Now I have to tell people, well, actually, it's not really what I want to do. The hardest part was not, it was not quitting. I, the day that I made the final decision in my brain and said, this is it for me. I felt this enormous sense of peace. I felt so much relief because I knew that it was the right choice. And it was something I had made entirely by myself because I had never communicated with anybody else about what I was thinking or feeling or experiencing. But then to drop that bomb on people, especially people that have this expectation of you, it is the, the biggest fear, the hardest part is other people's expectations and other people saying, oh, you failed. Well, and I think that a lot of the time we hold on to things mm -hmm. and we do things and we keep struggling through things just because we are afraid of other people's opinions and judgment oh, because it's a large, it's a heavy weight. It is. And it's like, 
Especially uh, people's opinions that you care yeah. about. And we are like, as humans, we search for acceptance. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh no, I'm going to let someone else down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have someone judge me. I'm going to, I'm going to really disappoint someone. Yeah. So maybe I should just struggle through it. But then it's like, wait a minute. They're not me. Yeah. And Absolutely. so then you decide to go a different path. And then what did you do right after college? So I immediately started looking for the next thing. So I had finished off my degrees and I've always had a passion for agriculture and rodeo. And that's what I I had my degree in agribusiness and in animal science and equine science. And so I was looking in that field just at different opportunities. I mean, if you consider what had been hypothetically 20 years in the making. Yeah to then just say, oh, that's not the thing. I needed ideas because I had no idea. And that was the biggest thing is that when you tell people, well, I'm quitting, I'm not doing that. Everyone wants to know, well, what are you going to do? Because that's always people's concern. How are you going to make money? What are you? Yeah, it's always someone else's business. It's like, get out of me. (laughs) Maybe give me one second to process. But following that, I just needed ideas. I needed to look inside myself and say, what else am I passionate about? What else can I see myself doing? And so I took opportunities like internships and job shadowing. I had conversations with people and what I ended up doing next was Western event production. And that was really, it was unique. It was fun. And now that I look back, it was so much more in line with who I am as a person. Although I do have that science brain in the sense that I get all of those things that got me to vet school it almost came easier it came easier it Mm -hmm. did it ag business had always been easy for me and it had always been fun and a joy to me and i loved that business side of things i loved marketing i loved sponsorships i loved just planning and organizing those things came naturally really naturally to me whereas i fought really hard for the maths and sciences that i did on my way to vet school all those business related things came like a breeze. And when I look back, they were ingrained into me in little ways all along my path and all through my journey. And you aren't talking like small town rodeos, Western events. You're talking the big deal. Yeah. We're looking at, so I started at Nile, which is the Northern International Livestock. In Montana. Yeah. Okay. That's where I first got my internship. I was their rodeo intern. And it was a week, two weeks, something like that. And I loved it. And I just... You're like, wow, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm obsessed. Hooked. Absolutely. I'm, I'm obsessed. And from there, I grew a partnership with their rodeo producer. And I ended up doing events all over the country for him. He had a, a broadcasting company. So I did barrel races all over the South. We did the Northern Rodeo Association. We did NFR, which was huge. And it exposed me to all of these different things. And what was a really cool part of my life, a really exciting part of my life. But I look at all those things I learned at that time, and I just so perfectly see it funneling me into where I ended up going. And so the the downside of all of that was traveling like 40 weeks yeah. of the year. And that was the hard part. And for like shit pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you make, you make like zero you... money, <laughs> but you travel like crazy. It's an adrenaline rush, but then you yes. look back and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, whoa, I am I am working my ass off for nothing. Yes, 
Absolutely. And I had met my husband to be at the time. And I think it just, it, it was just all those things. I love to look back. I, and I say this when we speak at retreats, I love to look back because looking back, everything is so clear. And it's just like, oh, I can see it. And just... I th I think we get so caught up on like, oh my God, where am I going to be? Where am I going to do this? Yeah. What blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we just don't stick to like the path that we're on. And we don't trust that like whatever we're doing now is going to make sense. And it's like, it doesn't have to make sense. You don't no. need to ask questions. But there are reasons where you are today and the shit you had to deal with yeah. in the past and then it all becomes clear, like, later on, and you're like, wow, I did need that. I yes. did need that. I needed those kick in the asses. I needed those crappy times. I needed yeah. those sleepless nights just so I could be here today. So what was the moment you decided to be your own boss? I think, I don't know if I can particularly think of, like, the event, but we used to do these barrel races in the South. And they're big, huge races, and they were fun, but usually they're, like, in the middle of freaking nowhere. And they were some, like, crazy place. And I, I can just recall these nights staying in, like, shitty motels. And one night, someone tried to, like, bust my door down. And I just remember having, like, the worst experience at that event. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where it was. Now that, I, now that I can think One about of it. my scariest moments was in Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi for the, um, for, like, a snaffle bit yeah. thing or something like that. That's a sketch. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But, so, Knoxville. It had been a hard event. I had stayed somewhere, like, ultra sketchy. My boss had left early and then I was leaving like a day or maybe half a day after he was and all of this terrible weather came in I got stuck in the airport I was in the airport for like 24 hours I had nothing with me and I it's so funny I had kind of forgotten this until he asked this but I remember talking to my dad on the phone and I was just, Oh, in, dads. <laughs> I was just in tears. They're always like, well, I could have told you that. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, and it was, it was like, it was finally his time to like state his piece. And he was like, you know, I think it's time for you to come home. And I think it's time for you to consider being home more. And I was so ready because, and, and people tell you not to make decisions at emotional moments, but I think that's when you're most true to yourself. You're not trying to hold anything down. It's like when you're at your your biggest low yeah. is when you're actually you're really at your biggest high. And it's like it's like this crazy, surreal feeling is like, oh my god, it all freaking makes sense yes. right now. It's amazing how like cognizant you are of yourself in bad moments and I find that for myself especially if you don't talk about it and you don't communicate it you spend so much time processing your own emotions that when it finally comes out to other people or verbally you're so certain and so I remember right there in the Knoxville airport 24 hours into this hell travel day talking to my dad thinking this is kind of it for me
I did work in that position for a little while longer, but I really phased back and ultimately just kind of dwindled out of my life. And it was another one of those things where it was just this enormous sense of peace and certainty that I was doing the right thing. And it's, it's kind of cool when you know you're on the right path because you do feel that enormous sense of relief. Did you ever like have anyone to express like you're like almost like depression or like sadness or like thoughts to, or did you just like, are you more of like a, I'm just going to keep this to myself and then my parents are going to know when I explode. Yeah. I'm definitely more of like, I take the, you know, Elsa and frozen, like conceal, don't feel approach. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Do you think that is like hurt you? And sometimes or like you wish you would have like just told someone because you probably could have figured out sooner and just been like, because I'm like a I'm figuring out myself because my problems are not someone else's problems. I've since changed because I'm like, dude, I would be a psychopath if I kept everything to myself. I totally agree. And I think there are there's kind of a healthy balance. So true. Sometimes you You don't need to overshare. You need to overshare. And there are a lot of things. The problem with expressing to people is that. So, like, I'm a very solution-oriented person. So true. Yep. So when someone tells me about their problem, I want to fix it. Fix them. Yep. People and fixer. Yeah, yes, everything. I'm a people fixer. And to a to a Then fault, it becomes your problem. And then it becomes <laughs> my problem. And I lose sleep over it and stuff like that. But so for me, I kind of need to work through the beginning of the process yeah. myself. And I absolutely agree that I have changed my ways, especially since Matt and I got together because he's a communicator. You have to communicate. I mean, like in relationships, especially, especially it's like, Oh my God, I can't imagine if I just like sat here and didn't say anything that like pissed me off about Greg and vice versa. I could not imagine for him to just like keep it in and be like, Oh my God, we would literally hate each other. (laughs) all the things I did, I lived alone in college. I went on this internship and worked pretty much by myself. When I worked in Western event production, I was by myself and traveled by myself a lot. I was very solo. But then when Matt came into my life, all of a sudden there was this other person. And so all these things that I forever concealed that would affect my mood and my attitude and my mindset and just my whole character. Now someone else was aware of them yeah. and brought it to my attention. Like, Keeping you in check. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Whereas when you're by yourself and you're, you're like, Oh God, I'm a psychopath. Just another day. You don't, you don't even process when you are the way you, you get in one of those moods or whatever until someone, Someone calls you out for it. And so I was absolutely the hold it in. Don't ever communicate anything. Deal with it yourself until it explodes. And then you can just tell other people what has exploded and what you've decided to do. Um, But obviously now in marriage, that's a whole different thing. And Matt is my communicator and I am not. And so that has been something I've had to learn in the last four years, especially was how I'm going to work through my emotions on a more external way and talk through things and talk about my decisions with somebody else. Cause I've always been this fiercely independent person. And now it's like, I have to share those things. And, and I totally agree with you. I kind of need it. It's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing. I have been forced to externalize it and that someone else calls me out for my bullshit too, because then he can see when I am, struggling 
or when I'm processing and he pulls it out of me and forces it and says, you need to talk about this. You need to process this in a healthy adult way, which is not at all how I used to handle it. Well, and it's like we are just talking about at dinner. It's like you cannot. My thing is I have always been taught this from my parents. You never show weakness. Yeah. And you be careful with who you share that with. And so it's like with people, I'm like, mm, who can I trust? Yeah. With your significant other, you have to trust them. Absolutely. And it's like with all the highs of a business owner come all of the lows. Yeah. You have had a ton of changes yeah. in this past year. That's it's been hard. Oh. I've witnessed a lot of them. But it's like... You, as a photographer, you thought you were going to be doing that forever. Yeah. So what happened? So to give the people listening a background, after Western events, so I've always had a little dabble in photography, but after Western events, and I knew I wanted to be my own boss, I just immediately fell into photography because it it's an easy thing. And everyone and their mom does photography. There's no barrier to entry. It's super simple. And I was good at it. Actually, I had, I think, quite a talent for it. Um, and then ultimately I ended up in wedding photography because it was the piece of it that I really enjoyed. It was, and the moneymaker. It was the moneymaker, too. And, um, and it was, like, there was parts of it that I loved. And you talk about kind of the starry-eyed, like, capturing people's moments and stuff. But just like the other things I've experienced in my life. And it's funny because I was just working on my presentation for the business retreat this upcoming week. I was working on it today and kind of my introduction of myself, I tell people that at this point in my business, in my life, I prioritize those sacred things. And for me, what is sacred is my family, AKA my marriage my joy and my peace. And I look at the steps along the way and I can say, that stole my joy, that stole my peace, that stole my time away from my family. And so it's like, I've slowly been ticking off the boxes of the things that took those sacred things away from me. And it's taken trial and error for me to recognize that I needed to leave certain things behind, even when it was my own fault. Wedding photography absolutely has the opportunity to be a thriving, joyful business for somebody. But the way that I ran it, I did it wrong. I went against all my own, all the things that I teach. Your morals, your values, yeah. because location, I became where you one. live, yeah. where, you know, and it's like for anyone out there listening, like, Money is not everything Yeah. when it becomes part of your happiness. Yeah. Absolutely. And if it threatens your happiness, get out. Because yeah. when I say you were so sad oh and gosh. you were crying and you were like, oh, my God. Alex is one of the most amazing people for everyone listening. But it's like when people threaten that yeah. and make you question who you are, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You like, and these people don't even know yeah. you. Think about like leaving a wedding, a wedding, which is supposed to be this like joyful, beautiful thing in tears, time after time, driving home in the car, just bawling because you felt so disaligned, so disconnected. You knew you were in the wrong place and not just because I wasn't fulfilled in my work or I wasn't charging enough or whatever, but because I felt so distanced from 
my purpose, from my morals, from my people. And I, I think talking about turning points, my, my dating anniversary, now I have a new anniversary, but I had booked a wedding on my dating anniversary and I swear to God, I'll never do it again and hold me accountable. Cause you put that on the podcast. I will. <laughs> uh, do not ever let me book anything on my anniversary again. And Matt and I are flexible. We're easy. We're not, you know, high maintenance where it's like, it's fine. You know, if Valentine's day turns into a work day, Valentine's day can be the 15th or whatever, but I booked a wedding on our dating anniversary and it was the worst wedding I've ever done. I was so disaligned from the people, their guests were awful. They treated the couple like crap. The couple didn't even like each other. It was honestly one of the worst experiences. And you did it for money. And I did it for money. I absolutely did. Because I was so excited to see this thriving business, but thriving only means thriving when it actually is. It was a money producing business but it was not a thriving business because my soul got sucked right out of it because I broke every principle I had ever set, ever set for myself. I went against everything I have ever taught in a, in a business conference, in a retreat, in a mentorship call. I was not seeking my ideal clients and my ideal clients only. And it became this joyless peace stealing thing. And I, I think it was specifically after that one that I just like, I had a meltdown and I was like, I can't believe that I sacrificed something so much more important for this. Well, and at that point you're no longer creating, you're just showing up. Yeah. And I didn't, and, and truth be told, I didn't care anymore. You're like, fuck it. I'm just yeah. here to snap photos. Exactly. And be that, present. And that not, that's it. And that's not a photographer. That's not, no. And, and you knew you were start. like, you're like, this is not yeah. my values, my morals. This is not what I built this business off of. I need to get out. Absolutely. And you did. You had weddings lined up this year yeah. and you were like, I can't, I yeah. would not feel morally correct if I did this. Yeah. I cannot do this for my relationship for the sake of my well-being. Yeah. I can't do this. And I, you took a huge hit because yeah. you refunded everyone. Yep. You moved on, and so, like, what are you doing now? What are your next – what is your next business? Because I know you're married now. We'll talk about that next. But you're married now, yeah. and you guys have huge plans moving forward with new businesses. Yeah. Businesses and growing businesses will always be a part of my life. And it's funny because actually this morning my mother, bless her heart, told me, can you figure out your life while you're at the next retreat? <laughs> I was like, thanks, mom. But truth be told, quitting has become a motif of my life because it is a part of my alignment and my growth with what matters. What and is I my favorite fun. quote, Alexa? Fail fast and fail often. That's when you know she's my best friend. <laughs> Seriously, but, though, it's like yeah. people are so afraid. They're so and afraid. especially as I'm not trying to pull this card, but as women, yes. it's like yes. we are so afraid of what other people might think. Mm -hmm. And it's like we stick through things just to do it because we don't want anyone to think bad. I'm like, you guys, if you knew how many college classes I almost failed, if you knew how many businesses i threw out the window my retreat that i'm going to next week we leave tomorrow saturday don't even know the day this 26 maybe 
Is it the 26th? I think it's the 26th. Sure. 26th. This is my last retreat for this year. Fail fast, fail often. This retreat, people would mark probably as a failure. I'm like, next step. This is the next chapter. And it's like so many people focus on that. And it's like failures get us to what we are going to do next. And if you are not failing, you are not growing. And it's like, so with that, with you losing your photography business, whatever, moving forward, you are now growing onto so much bigger things. Yes. I 100% agree. I was actually listening to another podcast, a real estate podcast, which I'm sure you'll get to because that's a big motif of our life now. But they're saying some studies show that 67% of people are terrified of change. I don't know how they got that. But just to think that, you know, two thirds of people are so scared to make a change. And that's why there's so many unhappy people in the world, I think. And so they've been at the same job for 30 years. Yeah, you know, (laughs) I could not do that. Such an old fashioned way of thinking to think that you can't change things up, to think that you can't start new and start fresh at any age, at any point. It's such an old school way of working that you somehow need to lock into your career right after college or in college and continue on that path no matter what get your benefits get your pension retire and die i'm probably not allowed to say that but but that's how people live you're allowed to say everything you want great and that that makes me such a comfy chair so sorry (laughs) well quick note my target charge is just one (laughs) i ordered two one came in tonight right before we were about to leave to dinner and i chose this one because i didn't think it was going to be as comfy which that chair that you are in is relatively just as comfy but anyways i am chilling and this is like i'm sitting on a sheep it does look like you're sitting on a sheep i literally am sitting on a sheep and it's freaking fantastic so yeah keep going sorry i interrupted no, i'm just but, like wow i'm comfy <laughs> wow it's sheep this is good <laughs> holy sheep holy sheep this is freaking good but honestly it's like people it's such an old-fashioned way of thinking to think that you can't change things if you're unhappy if you're not satisfied if it's not meeting you where you're at if your business isn't serving you if you're not living to your full potential if you're not living your dream life And so what I look at is all these changes along the way are just things that have continued to direct me toward the things that matter most. And I don't think that I'm going to have it figured out like my mom hopes. I think that I will forever be changing and growing and revising because I love change. I love new things. I love to grow and build things. I love to learn. And I think that is such a part of who I am as a person. I think it's such a part of my life and I'm excited for what comes next. So your question was what comes next and talking about all the things that led you along the way, even going all the way back to when I was in college or or younger, I loved to help people, to guide people. I was part of like a stewardship program in college where I helped freshman students plan their classes and set goals and learn extracurriculars and things like that. And then I have been mentoring people as I had this successful, financially successful photography business. 
And so now I just continue to pull that out and say, this is what I've learned, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let me show you how you can build successful, profitable businesses, but to also maintain your sanity in the process, because that was something that I struggled with. And so now I can speak to the truth of that and say, it can easily take your sanity away. Yeah. And you have to prioritize what matters to you, whatever that is. You have to hold it in a sacred place and prioritize it. And so right now I'm focusing on this educational portion of my business. And I'm really excited to take a much more relaxed approach to it, you know, and, and I know we're going to talk about marriage here in a second, but there's something about this phase of life that makes me want to sit in my cozy sheep chair and just take a breath because I feel like since day one, I've just been hustling and hustling. Well, I'm putting so much pressure on yourself yeah. and it's like finding your soulmate yeah. to also do that with. Yeah. Because you and Matt are going to be doing this together. Yeah. And like, we're going to move on to him. Yeah. So where and when did you meet Matt? Because it was in church, right? No, it was at the rec center. Rec center. Oh, my God. I didn't even. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. rec center. And yeah, yeah I hit you up. <laughs> right. It's like, ooh, girl. <laughs> Hi, girl. Talk about the out of the blue things in this world. So actually, there's there are family and friend connections between Matt and I. So his mom is good friends with one of my mom's best friends. And for years and years, that friend had told my mom, I have the perfect guy for Alexa. I have the perfect guy for Alexa. But had we met under any other circumstances, he probably would have brushed him off and been like, whatever for this person. But um, I was actually working at Western Events at the time. And I was on a sponsorship call and securing a really big sponsor for an event. And he was, so in the lobby of the rec center. Was this the, like this Silverthorne yes, rec center? Okay, so center. next to the skate park. Yes. Yep, okay, grew yep. up there in the whale tongue. Yeah, yes, that, that was my slab. Was like a <laughs> it's a turtle or something. What? Oh, also funny story about the rec center. One time I thought I could go off the big kid slide, <laughs> slid off, panicked almost drowned my mom would not come save me because she said it was my fault that i went off the slide and a lifeguard had to jump in after me that's a rock wall now haven't been back since rock wall, not thanks Therese. <laughs> way to go Therese. but yes that place with it's no longer the whale tongue no longer the big kid slide it's now i think a turtle and rock wall oh things have really <laughs> gone downhill really, really ask me like, okay. but anyway you know typical for living in the mountains the internet everywhere sucks so you poach free wi-fi wherever you can get it so the lobby of the rec center was one of my standard places to poach free wi-fi because it was always quiet no one ever sat there it's kind of like the library but nobody yells at you for talking on the phone so i was scaring a big sponsorship deal and Matt was sitting at another table. And truth be told, I did not give him even a glance. But he apparently... Too busy him. making that money. That's right. <laughs> making them deals. <laughs> but but I, I was on this phone call. And apparently he liked the way I talked on the phone. Because understand the thing about where we live in Silverthorne is you basically have 
older, wealthy, retired folk that own second homes. Or, children. <laughs> or you have snowboard bunks. Or you have ski bunks. That all like, live together. Nine in a two-bedroom apartment. Exactly. You know, you have like... Same in Grand County. <laughs> you have like lifty bums or you have like old, retired... So true. ...wealthy folk. And um, there's a very, very, very small population of people that don't fall into one of those two categories. And so I think for him, seeing a cute blonde that was not a lifty snowboard bum and that was securing deals and making sales. I think that was probably an attractive thing to him. And so I was just sitting at my table working away after this phone call and he came up and struck conversation and ultimately asked for my business card and asked if he could call me to take me out to coffee. Not even a number. Give no. me your business card. And I think that's really like Matthew. I think it's honestly perfect because it is. It's like, oh this guy's serious. I, I, like, I was like he goes for the business card. I know this guy does not ask a lot of women for their numbers. Yeah, you know, I'm glad it wasn't like what's your Snapchat or whatever. You oh know, my god, kill me. People did in like college and stuff. You know, I'm really glad that it was you know, hey, what's your number? You know, no, it was, what's it? Can I have your business card? How I mean, funny. professional. And I liked that. But then anyway, so a couple of days later, we had a coffee date in town and that's kind of it. We've been inseparable ever since. I think we went on about a day to day from then on. And here we are almost, I think it's been more than three and a half years now. So what was it like? Kind of a deep question. Like, I know your parents are pretty religious. Yeah. And what was it like, you know, bringing Matt in? I don't know. I cannot remember this, but did you guys live together before no, marriage? Okay. But we're always together. Yes. Were they worried? Were they ever like, uh, like, I know he's older. Alexa and Matt have like uh, an eight to ten year difference. Yeah, nine. Yep. Nine years. Right in the middle. Yep. And look at me. <laughs> and so... Did they have some concerns? I, your parents are great, so I'm not yeah. like, but I'm sure there was like some, are you sure on this or? I feel like Matt was actually the concerned one. Not me. <laughs> He's like, not... are your parents good with this or? Seriously, like, so Matt was a realtor. My dad is a realtor. So he found his number. You marry your dad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally, not is. like that, but you literally marry yeah, your dad. He is very much like my dad, which is great because I love my dad. And I think he's a great, great man. But um, he had actually, Matt actually looked up my dad in like the realtor directory. With your business card. <laughs> With my business card. <laughs> and he actually looked him up and he took him out for coffee. Matt took my dad out. And was like, you know, hey, I just want to make sure this is okay. And Matt, for being from a very non-traditional family, is a traditional man to a T. I think so he, like, strives for that. Because yes. he, like, was missing that. Yes. He really was. And you were like, I don't want it. I don't I want that. And so not, it was like. In many ways, I'm not. You were like, I saw that. I loved it. But I don't want that. Like, yeah. almost like a. A good girl going after like a bad boy, you know. Yeah. You're like, I don't want that. It's like, come on now, come on. I mean, I've done <laughs> don't even ask for permission. Just come on. <laughs> I've done traditional my whole life. It's like, come on, let's let's move on. But 
but no i've grown to just absolutely love that about him and it just it's so i find it really sweet now because it's like i do think it was something that he craved deeply because it was not a part of how he grew up but i think that it was it was his worry and i don't know if it was fed by other people like his friends like teasing him about you know his super young girlfriend or anything like that i don't know what it was that fed to it but i think very quickly he recognized that i have been like a 60 year old since i was like nine years old and i just need to put it into everyone's perspective alexa and i met at big shooters coffee and kremlin we walk in have never met each other before I damn well thought you were 28 years old yeah. and you are 25, 24, 24. 24. So that just like goes to show you like she's very mature and everything. And now he like proposed last year. Yeah. And I remember you texting me and being like, dude, <laughs> I'm going to get proposed to next week. I was like, okay, how do you know? Like been there. And I ruined it every single time, so no be me. <laughs> but Alexa was like, I think he's pretending to be a client, a potential yes. client. So, like, tell that story because it's, like, so cute. But you you knew, but you were also, like, it was such a surreal moment. Yeah. I'm either going to have to make you cut this part out or um, or I just won't let Matt listen because I haven't told him that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> The poor thing. He had, like, all these surprises, and every single one got ruined. Well, it's not even like you knew. It was, like, you were so suspicious. Oh, and okay. I was, like, oh, you know. Oh, he is. He well, is for sure. Yeah, there was some things. So, like, the so he had set it up as a client um, that wanted his proposal shot, um, photographed. And the location he had picked was, like, a secret spot of mine. And I was kind of like, wow, I didn't know anyone knew this. And then out of morbid curiosity, I looked up the name of the person. And um, the only person I find, I happened to check Instagram. And when Matt had come up with this name, he had looked on Facebook. So had I looked on Facebook, I would have just bypassed it because he was a real person that lived in the county with a girlfriend and a dog. But I did not look on Facebook. I looked on Instagram and Instagram told me that the only person by this name had been a pitcher for the Miami baseball team or some Florida baseball team. And so I assumed that Matt being originally from Florida had come up with this name because it was a baseball pitcher. And so that was my first suspicion. And then on top of the location, I was like super suspicious about the whole situation and then kind of questioned some other things along the way and realized, I think this is what's happening here, especially once we got to the day of, cause I was a little under the weather. I wasn't feeling very well. And Matt was like super sketchy about it because he was so perky and I was not meeting him on that level. And he was like, so we, we were buying a townhouse at the same time. And so it was a Monday and he was like, to celebrate closing on the townhouse, let's go out tonight after your shoot. And he's like, just, just dress nice for your shoot and I'll pick you up right after. And so that was a little, little sketchy, little suspicious. <laughs> and then I, I just got a little more 
morbidly curious about the whole situation. And I was kind of like, well, how nice should I dress? So I kind of tried to pry him along. And I ultimately kind of figured it out and was pretty certain what was happening. But then I was 100% certain because when you drive up to the spot where he proposed, it's like a three-minute walk from where you park the car. But the guy he had hired to actually take photos of our proposal was someone that we know from church and he had a new truck but i had seen him the week before with this new truck and he was certain that i didn't know it was his truck but in fact i did and so i uh i i knew at the parking lot that this was it and that's what he was going to do but i still i wasn't sure what to do with myself i was like should i still carry my camera down there in my backpack as if i was actually gonna as if i didn't know and so i did so i knew i was getting proposed to and came trotting down the the path with my camera in hand and my backpack and there was roses down the trail and then when i finally see him he was standing there with our dog and he kind of looked at me he went put your backpack down your camera down. <laughs> I was just kind of like frozen in place, but it was a very sweet moment. And it still was very much a surprise. And I had no idea what the ring was going to look well, like. Well, and I feel like we always know. Yes. We, yep. I knew the minute Greg tried to propose to me 10 times <laughs> and I ruined it every single time. Yeah. And then I was like, 4th of July, he was acting weird. And I was like, oh, it's definitely going to yeah. happen. You know, it's just like, I've just because they just act weird. I've it's not like uh, they're cheating on me kind of weird. It's like, uh, oh, they are oh, nervous. Yeah. They are. I probably photographed like 40 different proposals. And there has not been a single one where they didn't know. At least at some point. Or something made them certain of it because like they always when guys get really nervous they usually get called out because they're acting weird so like this and they're like oh no not at all and then they blush they were hiking down the trail and she asked him why he was being such an asshole because he was being really quiet really sharp because he was so nervous and so she was like you need to stop being such an asshole like 30 seconds before he proposed to her and so women always know and i tell them that all the time when you know they're not as surprised as they thought i said it is part of our senses as women that we know it's like this radar that we have that we know yeah so one of the questions that i was asked when i asked on instagram um about a question to ask you was what made you decide not to get married in beautiful Colorado? But many people don't know, like you got married in Mexico. You also are kind of having a parting veil later on, you know? So like, what was the reasoning for you and Matt to elope in Mexico? Have Dylan as your photographer, you know, what was that experience like? Yeah. So as soon as we got engaged, he, I had always teased and he assumed that I had the whole plan set. And it's kind of one of those things where you've built the Pinterest board for your entire life. You have every thought in the world, but then when it actually happens, you're kind of like, I don't actually know what I want to do. And so based on the time of year, it was too late to do something soon, but we knew we wanted to get married because we were just super excited, but we also wanted to celebrate with all of our friends and family. So we kind of went back and forth, you know, do we sign the paperwork? Do we do the big party? Do we do a small party? 
what do we do? And there's so many thoughts that go into it. But fortunately, we have the ability, we have the funds that we were able to do a little bit of both. And so we decided to elope. And so we got legally married in Colorado by signing the paperwork and then did more of a symbolic ceremony just for us because it was just the two of us in Mexico. So we had actually planned a trip to Hawaii the week that we went to Mexico to elope. We'd had that trip planned for a while. And based on Hawaii being kind of closed down and lots of restrictions and stuff, we decided we didn't want to go to Hawaii. And we had been to Mexico the January before, and it was really easy and travel was no big deal. And so we said, let's go back to Mexico. And then we just looked for beautiful places, great experiences, because we just wanted to do something special and unique just the two of us that was really it was for us because big weddings and it was only you two it was only us yeah and it wasn't like an elopement with like parents or you know something it was just you two and dylan yeah and i think that was that was really cool and that's something that i think i will always treasure and so like we really the only part of our ceremony was that we wrote vows to each other and then we exchanged rings and we didn't have any fancy readings. We didn't have an officiant. It was just us. And even Dylan had asked, do you want me to take a video of the vows? And we said, no, because this is for us. It's not for anybody else. And our wedding in September, we are doing a ceremony. So it's, we're going to have kind of this little vow ceremony that our families and our friends can listen to. They Mm -hmm. can listen to and be a part of, but ultimately in my heart, our wedding will always be January 19th. And that will always be our special. Well, because it's only about you two. Yeah. It's only about focusing on you two. And like, as a married woman, as a planner, my biggest advice, and I'll let Alexa share some of hers at the end, is like, do not focus on going into debt for everyone else. Yeah. It's not about anyone else. It's about you two. Yeah. Your happiness, what you want, what your husband wants, what your wife wants, at the end of the day, that is all that matters. Not a family's opinion. Yep. Not what your guests are going to think. Not the fucking table decorations. Yeah. Don't look so much into it that it makes it unenjoyable. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the people that are arriving should only be there for the two of you. Yeah. And it's like, I think people put so much pressure on to be these Pinterest weddings, to be these big weddings that are in magazines. And it's like, do not do that if you do not want to. If you want to, freaking go for it. I did it. (laughs) It's like, you know, but that's what is like, it's it's so much pressure. And I feel like it should be such an enjoyable thing. And people are like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I'm so annoyed. And it's like, why? You are putting too much stress on yourself. Because of the thoughts of other people. And what is what is your biggest piece of advice for, like, people getting married? It is not about the wedding. It is about your marriage. Yeah. The wedding exactly. is one day. Maybe it's a weekend. A few hours. Maybe yeah. Like us, it's two days. Yeah. But your marriage is for the rest of your life. And if I learned and saw anything in wedding photography, it is that so many people are so consumed by the wedding and do not give a shit about their marriage. Yeah. And I saw so many unhappy people, so many couples that were not even in love on their wedding day. And it's like, what is this? For other no people. Wonder, no yeah. wonder so many marriages fail. It doesn't even surprise me anymore. 
And so my biggest thing is that you need to focus on your marriage, not your wedding. And then to second what you say, it is not about other people. It doesn't matter what your parents say, what your in-laws say, what you, even what your planner might say or your friends. It's about you. There are a million different thoughts and ideas. And, you know, I've, I've had some people be negative about the fact that we eloped and then we're having another wedding. They're like, well, that's stupid. It's like, why? If we want if we want to do it, it doesn't matter. So if you want to have a wedding a month, fine, do whatever you want. If you want to just do something, the two of you, then do it. If you want to go to the the courthouse, do it. (laughs) If you want to do the huge bash, just do it. But it needs to be about what you guys want. And we're fortunate to have the circumstance where we get to do both because we did do truly what we wanted. And then this next one is just it's about celebrating. It's about being with our family and friends. And we do get to honor our families by letting them be a part of it. And so we are turning the focus back to other people in a sense, but still I find myself, I told myself I'd be super low key and I wouldn't care about anything for the September wedding. And I, I am very relaxed, not at all stressed because it, nothing bothers. It's just, it's not a big deal no matter what happens, but it is still about us. It is still about Matt and I, even though we are including and honoring lots of our friends and family at the end of the day, it's still about us. Yeah. And I'm not letting go of that. I told myself that I, you know, Oh, we can let it be more about them. It's like, no, no, it's still about us. And so this is your opportunity to be selfish. Um, 100%. And it's not truly selfish because it should be about you. And a lot of people love to make it about them. So let it be about you. Um, and also don't worry about trends and things yeah, like that. It's always changing. And it's always changing. And people love to just like copy what they see. There are also so many talented people out there. You know, you don't have to pick the name in wedding photography. Anyone can do it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, pick people that you actually want to work with. And that's what I found for this September wedding is like, I'm only picking people who I'm actually excited are going to hang out for pick, the night. Pick people that can be your friends. Exactly. Like, because those are the people that are going to make it enjoyable and everything. Yeah. So, like, with marriage, what has changed? Since you've gotten married, what has changed? You know... It's you guys bought a house. We bought a house. Yeah. So, that was, that was pre-marriage. So, we closed on that when we got engaged. And so, we were quick between engagement and elopement. And... That was exciting too. It was fast paced and busy because we've been. But you don't have to plan all the big things. We don't plan all the big things. And and even planning the big things, people that are all like stressed out, I'm like, goodness gracious, you must, uh, maybe we're just ultra typing, Anna, because I really don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I've got almost everything done and our September wedding is like, what, seven months from now? Well, all I tell, like all I told myself, everyone else and like my brides, because I'm a planner is listen. You cannot control anything that happens the day of. So let go and let be because if you worry about it, you are going to be a mess. And things are going to go wrong. No one's going to remember. I had so much shit go wrong at my wedding and I was like, oh, I don't even remember it. No one else noticed it because they were all having a blast. They were all just happy to be there. So it's like if you just 
relax and just know that like at the end of the day your significant other is going to be at the end of the aisle and you get to love them and be married to them that should be all that matters not what freaking grandma karen thinks (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly but back to your question what's changed with marriage sometimes it feels like everything is different something sometimes it feels like nothing is different because it's i feel like matt and i have had a very i don't want to say easy as if there's not problems but being with him has always been easy and marriage feels not easy in the fact that it's like you don't have to put any work into it. But effortless. Effortless in the sense that it's like, I, I know this is how it was meant to be because it's just, it's exactly what I always wanted and it's exactly what I pictured. And it's just a, it's a cool thought to just you know, know that this person is like stuck with you forever. And we, we tease each other and say, you're so stupid. You fell for it. You fell for my tricks and I fooled you into marriage, big dummy. And when we tease each other about that every day, but I think it's kind of like a little, it's a little joy to us to be like, you know, we did it. Yeah. We made it. How exciting is this? And so marriage is cool. It's exciting. It's fun to announce someone as your, you know, your husband. It's fun to hear him call me his And to be proud of someone, you know, to be really proud. And it's like, he was talking on the phone. He's like, let me ask my wife about that. And it was like, that's me. That's cool. And so it's like, in so many ways, nothing is different, but also in so many ways, everything is different. It's like an unexplainable sort of thing. And so something that polar opposite something that you absolutely love like matt we're gonna go on to something that you absolutely dislike except for one thing i'm talking about social media social media oh i knew it as soon as you said something you dislike or polar opposite i was like if i love matt what do i loathe (laughs) social media just like greg and if you're listening to this, I'm not trying to bag on social media because there are a lot of benefits to it. But we met through social media. Yes, we did. And when Greg, Greg and I actually in our one of our deleted um, trials, <laughs> we talked about, you know, what I told him some benefits are, and really the only thing I could come up with was connection. Yeah. And connecting is fine. Yeah. But there is a big problem with social media these days and you and I talk about it I would say I you could disagree with me I would say the biggest thing about social media is if you are running a business you do not own it oh yeah and we talked about this at dinner it can be taken away from you at any time so like discuss how that affects your business model what you teach kind of some things you think about and then pros and cons of social media so I'll start with pros and cons. And I, I told you earlier, I only start with cons. So it's always uh, better to end with positives. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't we learn that in business school? Where did we learn that? <laughs> I learned that in college. Exactly. It's like, let me talk about the negatives. Yes. And then we'll bring it back to the positives. Unfortunately, unlike other things, I can think of a lot of cons. Same here. Um, Social media, I think, has created um, a series monsters. Of- I'm monsters. just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously. But little monsters. One of the biggest things is a serious lack of contentment because people will look at other people's lives which are perfectly curated curated curated, there it is perfectly curated curated to their feeds 
perfectly made to look as they intend, whether it has to do with their fashion, their business, their home, their life, Photoshop. Their kids, whatever, whatever it has, to, their fitness, whatever it has to, to do with, whatever they're using social media for, everyone's trying to represent their best self, especially when you're running a business, I think. Um, and I think that although people do like to at least claim that they're putting some authenticity out there and some people are, there is a lot of, there's a lot of fakeness out there or just, just unreal expectations. Like you look at the beautiful outfits and the pictures and their hair is perfect and they have extensions and they have lashes and they have a tan. It's like, how do you always you know look like that? Is? And people ask, Oh, you always look like that. It's like, no, she looks like that in all of her posts, which probably were taken mostly on the same day or every couple weeks. It's not that she always looks like that, but then people get this expectation well, I should always look like that too. I need my hair always. I think it drives major insecurities yes. and major issues within Absolutely. women's body image because Photoshop is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I know damn well I do not look great every single day and I'm not going to show it because it's like there is someone in my mind. I always think there is someone out there watching me expecting me to show up as myself yeah. and myself is number one but it's also other people and it's like I think you and I had this conversation how exhausting yeah. must it be to be fake as yeah. fuck on to the internet to keep up with that and then you meet them in person and you're like wow you are the most boring yeah. bitchiest person I've ever met in my life yeah I absolutely agree and so I think same with business, though. This yeah. isn't just influencers, no, guys. No. This is like all things. all things social media. Yeah. And it's a huge issue. So what? Okay, more cons. And then we'll get into pros. I think those are some of the biggest. But then I'll, let me switch it to the business side and say that a major con of social media is that you don't own it. And I think people fail to realize that because the number of people I talk to, the number of times that retreats or in conversations I have that people just want to talk about social media. Well, I need to grow my following. Well, I need content. Well, I don't know what my Pinterest strategy or my Instagram strategy. It's like, who are those? Who, who of those people are your customers? And it's like, we just, we, Alexa and I literally just both flipped our hands yeah. at each other. Like, I mean, I like not us. As if there's a camera. I forget. I talk with my hands a lot and forget. Me that. too. I'm Italian. So I'm like, I'm all over the place. And we both just. Alexa and I. Okay. I know I promised to record these things, but her and I both look like shit right now. So better not. Um, But we both were like, just looked at each other with a very blank look. Because no one. I mean, it's like. It's exhausting. It is. And I think that that is something. What frustrates me is that, and this this can be true across all angles. It can be true about business. It can be true about how you look. It can be true about a million other things. But people put so much stake in social media. Whether it's, oh, well, she has 10,000 followers and I have 8,000. 
Well, who cares? Who's making more money? At the end of the day, that's what drives me, bitch. It's me, Heffa. <laughs> so um, that's the answer. But I, I hate that people put so much stock in their metrics on social media because what all these people fail to realize is you can be gone like that between a hacker, a shutdown, a shadow ban, whatever. You can be done. And if all of your followers and customers and fans and potential clients exist on social media, and especially if you don't have anything else and have never told them, hey, if you're not following me here on Instagram, you can find me on web my website. If you have never driven people to another place, you're screwed. if your account disappeared, those people will forget you. They might spend a little bit of time being like, where did that person so, go? I wonder if she's on LinkedIn. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can her. I don't know. But it, seriously, if you have never put yourself anywhere else and created a safer home for yourself or your business in the sense that it can't be taken away from you, then you're screwed. And so I, I'd say a major con is that people think that that is the way. And it is a tool. It's a free tool and a good tool. But it's only one tool. It's not meant to be your home base, but everyone uses it. Not everyone. A lot of people use it. As a large a percentage, base. yeah. And it can't be your home base. It is a great free networking tool, free marketing tool to a huge audience. And it has a lot of great features that allow you to connect with the right people. But the problem is that is not yours. It can be taken from you at the drop of a hat. And so that is such a huge con that I talk about. A pro I just kind of mentioned, free tool. You know, anyone can throw up an Instagram profile on absolutely anything. Literally anyone. Literally Even anyone. hackers. Maybe that's a con too. But it's easy. It's free. You reach a ton of people. It has a lot of resources and tools that can connect you. It has an algorithm that learns what you're interacting with, what you like, and brings those people to you. So um, I was just looking at your bio optimization page, and you're talking about if you interact with western fashion influencers it's going to bring you western fashion influencers and then if you like them it's going to connect you to other people and so it's a it's, trifecta i mean it's yeah. like a little ripple effect exactly and so it does have that ability to connect you to all these different people which is a cool thing and it is a mass marketing tool that is enormously available and easy to you that's a major pro major pro is that there are millions billions of people using social media and whether that's define your social media TikTok, instagram facebook how whatever you want what platforms you want to use you can reach pretty much any demographic on one of those platforms and so it is useful i would say in almost any business model in almost any industry for almost any demographic. So with the Savvy Stoyas, how would you say you guys are promoting or educating your clients with social media? And how are you also improving their abilities off of social media? Because I know that is very important. Yeah. Multimedia marketing, so many other things, developing your SEOs, making sure 
you are on Google My Business, you know, like kind of explain why that is important for these business owners. I'd love to talk about multi-media marketing, multi-platform marketing, call it whatever you will, but ultimately it's the same. It's getting your business on all these different places. Studies show that it takes between 11 and 13 unique touch points. So people need to interact with your business 11 to 13 different ways to feel solidified in who you are, what you do and trust you enough to make a purchase or create a partnership, fill in the blank for whatever your business structure is. And people don't think about that. And it's like, if you're just posting on Instagram, you're missing that. Not only are you at risk of things breaking down and losing that following if Instagram is taken from you, but you also are missing out on a huge amount of the market. And what I want people to recognize in a huge part of the education that I like to teach, whether it's in the retreats or in the courses that we're creating or in the resources that we're putting out there, it is to show people that it does not take more of your time or energy or sanity. And so a little sneak peek for the retreat, something that we're going to do is create this freebie piece of value content. And we were talking about this at dinner and it's just this little nugget of information that encourages people to ask what's next. So I actually use you as my example. And in your workbook, you have a page about optimizing your bio on Instagram. And so if your ideal client is looking to grow her online presence and make more sales in her business, one very easy, simple thing that she could do is optimize her bio, making sure that she is speaking to the right people, has a link that's sending people to the right place, has some keywords that are working for call to action, call to action. Yeah. Those are important things. It's like, even when you are using Instagram, you gotta use it appropriately. Yeah. You have to use it well. It's not just to throw things out there sort of thing. There is strategy to absolutely everything. And so what you can do is create this little freebie piece of value content, but then I'm challenging people in one hour or less from that freebie that they're going to make this little nugget of information. So for you, it was a one page PDF mm-hmm. on bio optimization with a, a little blank worksheet to go with it, to give people some info on how to write a good Instagram bio. So that is a, a quick, easy thing for you to teach. And does it take anything away from your business? No, no. It doesn't take anything away from your business to share that nugget. No competition. There's no competition. And so you can share that with people without it taking anything away. But when someone utilizes that and looks at it and says, wow, this is really valuable information, they trust you and they get the sense that you're the expert. And credibility. So yeah, yeah. It gives you credibility. And so now they're going to ask what's next. And so then if you sold the entire workbook, they might be more willing to pay for the entire workbook. And then when you host retreats, they may be more willing to sign up for a retreat because they trust that you are a credible source, that you have the information that they're looking for. And so what I am encouraging the people at this retreat to do and a course that I'm about to put out is how to create this little freebie piece of content and then create Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, blogs, all these other multi-platform pieces of content from that one freebie. And it should take you less than an hour because I think what people are afraid of and what I hear from a lot of people is that 
they're worried about these other things inundating their lives. Well, I don't have time to do Pinterest. Well, I don't have time to write a blog. Well, if you have time to scroll through Instagram, you could have used that 30 minutes to make a reel, make Pinterest pins and write a blog instead. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is show people how easy it is to not just utilize social media because social media is easy. At its simplest form, it's super easy. To use it effectively, it takes more skill and strategy, but at its simplest form, it's really easy. And always you reusing your content. And reuse your content. Write a blog post science. for every single post. And honestly, you do. You, you know, think things like that. You could use six posts out of one blog post. You know, break out your paragraphs and make them each a unique caption on six different posts. Yeah. And turn those into stories, turn those into reels, turn those into Pinterest pins. It's not rocket science. It's not hard. And so part of our savvy business education is going back to what I said is I, I care about preserving your sanity in the business process. It matters that you have your time, your flexibility, that you get to maintain whatever's most important to you. So if time with your family is most important, you shouldn't have to give up 10 hours a week on creating content. Really, you should be able to do that a lot faster. And so I'm trying to show people that there's easier, better ways to do things. And it's not scary. It's not hard to get on different platforms. And so those are some of the things that I'm creating this education around is this really practical knowledge of how to use these platforms to your advantage effectively to convert, to generate leads, but without letting it inundate your life. Yeah. So do you see Savvy Stoyas, Savvy Alexa moving forward in your career within the next 10 years? I do. I finally feel like this is kind of the piece I've been missing. This is the piece that's come with me, this little educational bit, because it's, there's no pressure to it. And it's honestly a joy to me. And I love to see the fruits of it. I love to see it help people. It's something that's easy and natural to me. It's stuff I have expertise in and I love to share that. And so I do think that this is something lasting. This is something that's going to stay. As far as the the Stoyas, as a bigger brand, as the two of us, as the things we're doing. A modern day Chip and Joanna go Gaines. <laughs> I, that's my hope. And so we have all these different things going. And my, my personal piece of it right now is this education. But part of my manifesto is helping people build and live their dream life. And for us, a piece, especially Matt's piece, is that he has this desire to own properties, to have rental real estate, to create passive income. And I support him 100% in that journey. And so it's kind of fun to have this other little element. And like we've kind of talked about, I think we'll forever be multi-business owners. I mean, I can't settle on one thing. It's, there's too many fun things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love interior design. I love homes. For people that don't know, I'm also a licensed realtor, and so is Matt, and so is my dad, and we have this kind of family thing going on. My mom was an interior designer. I love interior design, so home is something near and dear to our hearts. My dad was a home builder. We've done projects now. We own rental real estate and have these goals and aspirations to continue to invest and I think that it's just a cool little piece that fits in with 
our whole savvy brand is that we get to show people the possibilities. And I really like, I, I have this little tagline on my bio that says explore the possibilities. Yeah. And I really love that because I think that sometimes it's hard for people to get out of their own head and just realize that's possible. It's like we live in. Well, nothing is impossible. No, of course not. And, and we live in a really expensive place, but it's like we were able to become investors, to flip houses, to own rental real estate, even in this hard spot. And we used our other businesses to finance that and then they reciprocate back. And so I really challenge people to consider what it is, whatever they want, whether it's to be creating passive income or to own real estate or to send their kids to college or have financial security, whatever it is, define it however you want. But I love to challenge people to the pos to, to challenge people to consider the possibility because everything is a possibility. You know, there is nothing impossible. And so you just have to figure out how to do it. And now that we've done some of these things, I like to give it back and pass it on and say, this may not be your dream life. You may not care about owning rental real estate. And that's fine. You may not care about flipping houses. I do. I love it. But take whatever you care about and let this inspire you. Let these techniques and skills equip you to do it in your own life. No, for sure. And so wrapping up with the last few questions, if you were to give anyone a piece of advice, what is the biggest piece of, of advice you would give? This seems a little silly, but my truthful answer is just do you, because there are so many thoughts and opinions, even from people that mean well. And I look back and think of even the pushback I got from the people that cared most, like my family, when I made drastic decisions. And you have to be confident in yourself and your decisions and know that you are capable. And ultimately, I hate the false confidence thing. You just buck it up. Gotta be a little cocky. Buck it up and be a little cocky, by God. And just do it because no one's going to do it for you. And so speak confidently, act confidently, behave confidently, make decisions confidently. If you feel certain of yourself, then freaking do it. And you should feel certain of yourself because anything is possible. And so I think people just need to take ownership of their own lives and say, if I want blank, I'm going to do blank. And I think that's really a big thing. And so not only are you responsible for making the decisions and taking the action against all odds, but you also have to get out of your own stinking way and just do it. What is something you're proud of yourself for doing? I'm proud of myself for making the hard decisions against other people's opinions. I just read a quote today and it said the hardest decision, there will always be hard decisions, but the biggest decision you make is making the decision. Yes. And it is hard and there are hard decisions. And I look back on all the things we've talked about and all the journeys and steps along the way. And I've made a lot of those hard decisions, but at the end of the day, you just got to make them. 
I think too many people spend time in this in-between zone. And they of, worry about what everyone else yeah, will think. They worry about what will And happen. want other validation from others. Yeah. And ultimately, you just have to... You just have to move forward. You just have to make the decision. And I am proud of myself for the fact that I do just make the decisions and that I'm also able to just make things work. And when I set my mind to something, I'm just going to do it. And it doesn't matter if someone's done it or if it makes sense or if it seems impossible or if it's far-fetched or if other people get it. it just doesn't matter. You just, you just go on and do it. Absolutely. So, Alexa Stoya. When you go on to whatever life is after this, what is the mark you hope to leave on the world? I hope to leave people behind that are passionately living their lives, that they are, I, I love to use this expression in my business, but equipped and empowered to live a life that they love because life is too damn short to not enjoy it it's too short to not be living in your purpose and so i hope to leave behind people whether it's my kids whether it's people i've encouraged through my story whether it's people i've coached through my business however it looks like i hope to leave people that are passionately living in their purpose and that know that they are completely competent in doing whatever it is they want to do. I absolutely love that. Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, no, thank you for having me on your podcast only to tell people as we grow the savvy brand, you can follow me at savvy.alexa on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest and savvyalexa.com is my home on the web and where I like to hang out. And this was such an honor and a privilege. And I can't wait because I am going to come back and I'm going to interview you. Oh, goodness. Because <laughs> even the host. We'll be episode 50. <laughs> no, we're not waiting that long. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope everyone feels just as inspired as I always am. Of course, you're a great friend. Great influence, everything. And now we hit the road to Arizona. Bring on the sunshine. And literally, I feel like we're not going to be leaving at six, but. No, I don't even know what time it is, but I know this is longer do you than wanna, an hour. Do you want to guess what time it is? 12.07. Oh, I was close. I was that really was wild because she has not looked at her phone the whole time. No. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and leave five stars. No idea how it helps, but it does. If you love this episode, please DM me at hookedaf on Instagram, and I'll see you all next week. Mm -hmm.